This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. My guest today is my friend Donnie Edwards. And if you're a sports fan, you probably know him from his days playing at UCLA, then with the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers, one of the best to ever play the game. And what you might not know is that he now runs a foundation called the Best Defense Foundation that has a transition program for people leaving active duty from the military, has an education program and a battlefield return program. And Donnie's been taking veterans of World War II back to the battlefields on which they fought for a number of years. And that's where his passion and his mission align today. So uh, we talk about that. We talk about the NFL. We talk about growing up and uh, a bunch of other things on this podcast. You can find him at Donnie, D-O-N-N-I-E underscore Edwards on Instagram. And you can find Best Defense Foundation on Instagram and bestdefensefoundation.org on uh, their website. So check those out for sure. And now, without further ado, my friend, Donnie Edwards. Your story is incredible. Um, and so what was that first spark that, uh, not necessarily that uh, on, on the NFL and the athletic side of the house, but on when you realized that how much opportunity that we all have in this country and that tie to military service and to those people who gave everything, whether they, they didn't make it back from the battlefield or they came home with the emotional and physical trauma of the battlefield. Uh, but the things they did down there allowed us to have the freedoms that we do today. Um, where did, where did you first get that, get that spark or that inkling or what did you start thinking about that? Was that at a, a young age and, and who was the person that uh, kind of sparked that for you? Yeah. It happened with me when I was really young. Um, my grandfather had a ranch in Mexico and I remember it was like an outhouse. So in order to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the outhouse. And I, I never forget that because I really didn't understand that growing up in America. You really don't understand that. And, and he was just telling me like, that's how it here. That's how it is here in this country. You know, a lot of people don't have money. You don't have opportunity to push yourself further than the family that you're born into. But he said, you know what? I served in Pearl Harbor. I served in, in Okinawa. Um, you know, we fought really hard to give you opportunity here in this, in this country. And he said, you know, doesn't matter where you come from. Call me boo-boo. He's like, boo-boo, doesn't matter where you come from. You can achieve anything if you work hard at it. In America, you have opportunity. And if you work hard, you can achieve anything. And I never forgot that because um, I'm one of 11 kids. I come from a very big family um, here in San Diego and big military family from starting my grandfather on everybody else, my sisters, my stepdad, my dad, everybody. Um, so it's just entwined into my family, into myself, because I understand the sacrifice, not only for, you know, the, the sailor or the, you know, the trooper, or the Marine, it's also with the family because we're all affected. You know, my sister, um, she spent 12 months uh, in, in Iraq a few years ago and they kept extending her, extending her, extending her. And she has a six-year-old son, Noah, and he's been passing around from family member to family member. And it's a big effect on that kid in his life. And the stress that my sister was, you know, trying to do her job in Iraq, but also, you know, make sure that her son is okay. So, I mean, I truly understand all of that and being around it in San Diego, um, you know, and to be able to, 
to look at my life and to know where I started and where I'm now to have this platform to give back, to raise awareness of the freedoms and the opportunities that we do have in this country. Amazing. What, and your grandfather, did he share um, a lot about the war with you or did you go back and, and research some of the things that, that he did uh, later on? Or how did, that, uh, how, did that, how did that work? How did he pass some of those lessons on to you? Or what was his experience? How did he, how did he end up in World War II? Was he, was he already in? Did he get drafted? Did he volunteer? Um, how did that work? Yeah, well, he was in the 25th Infantry Division. He was uh, here in the California National Guard over at uh, Camp Roberts, Fort Ord, right here in California. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they made his National Guard group into the 25th Infantry. So right before Pearl Harbor, I believe September of 1941, they all you know, took a ship out there to Pearl Harbor. And we all know what happened on December 7th, 1941. He was a part of that. Um, he's one of the survivors of that. And um, he always talked about his buddies that he lost on that day and always on Christmas and Easter um, at mass, you know, he was so proud. He wore his uniform to mass. Um, and he always talked about the guys that he lost. And, uh, you know, he's always pushing me to go further. You can do it, you know, and, and, it, and when you have someone like your grandfather, who you respect and you look up to, to believe in you, you start to believe in yourself. And he really instilled that in me for sure. Okay. When he got, and then when he got back from the, from the war, what did he, what did he do? Um, back from the war, um, you know, he got into um, uh, machine metals and things like that. So he had his own business um, doing metal work at his own shop and everything here in San Diego. So he did that for a number of years. I get, I, when I look back at that generation and see how they came back with, Zero transition program. I mean, the GI Bill was, was incredible, and a lot of guys took advantage right. of that. Um, but that's in it, that's work in and of itself, just figuring those things out and then committing to that. Uh, and then just how they came back, got back to work, and built this country into what it is today. Um, so I, I thought about that a lot in Buds uh, as I was going through, and we had the boats on our heads, the logs over our heads. You know, on that swim, on that run, you're getting yelled at. You're tired. You're hungry. It's like day four of Hell Week or whatever. I thought, you know what, you know, the, the landing craft gate door isn't about to just, you know, go down into the surf. I'm not about to run across an open space, uh, through a hail of bullets from a position, an elevated position. Um, and I'm like, I can hold this log over my head a little while longer, you know, here in, in sunny Southern California, uh, you know, I can go a little while longer here. Um, so I thought about them and then I thought about everything that people have sacrificed from the inception of this country up until today that allowed me to be on that beach. Um, right. So I'm curious right. for you, did you, did you think about that in the NFL when you're going through, when you're trying out or when you were in high school or like, did you think about those guys and what they'd sacrificed during that time frame and how much harder or it was for them? Or did it put things in perspective? Because Yeah, me, it definitely it really puts things, things into perspective. In perspective. No, for sure it does. You know, um, you know, we all think about um, how hard our lives are and what we're going through and how difficult it is. But, you know, when you see someone else that, doesn't have a leg or has some, some, some other issue that you don't have. It makes you put into perspective your life. Like what the heck am I complaining about? I mean, look at this guy here, you know, look at this guy, look how, I mean, like if, if I'm complaining about myself right now and I'm looking at him and he's living his life, he's cheerful. It makes you put into perspective, you know, and it really helped me 
um, learning from other people, you know, and like, you know, growing up, you know, I really didn't have a lot of role models, but I had a lot of people that I looked up to and I tried to grab their qualities that they had in their lives and apply it to my life. And, you know, looking at the hard work that, you know, the men and women in our military do. And I think about like, you know, when I'm sucking wind or sucking ass in, in training camp or in football and I'm just tired, you know, I think about like, you know, the bravery and the tenacity and motivation of the guys to, you know, to overcome and through the mission and kind of pushes me. So, you know, when I played ball, I always look to certain things in the military to push me over the edge, to keep me going, to, you know, to look at our old warriors and see what they did. It's like, heck, if they can do it, heck, I'm just playing football, you know, and it's really <laughs> pushed me, you know, it's, it's incredible when you look at the old warriors and see what they went through. It kind of helped this generation as we're going through now and, and, and so many people to have those qualities. Yep. And I, my, I mean, my experience with those guys is that they didn't complain. Like they came back and got back to work. You know, that seems to be a common thing. I mean, I'm sure there are you know, people here and there that complain, but as a general rule or as a, as a general group, like they came back, looked to their right and left, I think, and saw, you know, their peers getting back to work, diving in, building this country. And they did the same, you know, they didn't dwell at least publicly on, uh, on right. how hard they had had it or what they had had. They just got after it. Um, so I think about that all the time. Like those guys got to work. Uh, and that's the one thing that you have to do regardless of what field that you're in. Like you have to put in that work. Uh, you can sit there and mope and think about how hard you have it. Um, and you know what, if you don't do the work, I guarantee you, you're not going to get where you're going to go. You're not going to move that ball forward. But if you put in that work, still not a guarantee you could still get right. hit. But right. it, if you don't put in that work, for sure, you're not moving that ball forward. Amen. Um, and you think about, you know, you think about some of the old warriors, right? And the resources that they did not have after they, you know, got done with their uh, military service. And, you know, I mean, just like my grandfather, he never talked about it. I mean, growing up with them in the 70s and 80s, he really didn't talk about it. He talked about his buddies and, you know, we used to go to the VFW all the time. And he's hanging out with his buddies and, Hey, boo boo, go get us, you know, go get some Budweiser, get some Budweiser and a rack of pool balls and stuff like that. But it was just that bond and that brotherhood that they had. Um, but no one really talked about it. And they just went back to work, raised families and, you know, went about their ways only until about 20 years ago, where a lot of these guys started talking about their service. Right. And we started to learn from them. And then fast forward to our, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans. I mean, we have so many more resources available and so many things that we are discussing now and it's okay to talk about now. Whereas back then you didn't talk about it. Was it shell shock or some of these other things that you go through and you didn't talk about it like, Oh, suck it up and keep going, you know, but now it's great to have that community to, you know, to push each other and to help each other. Yeah. And I think band of brothers really uh, helped with that. That's a, uh, you know, popular culture uh, showcasing these veterans who are in that, in those twilight years that are getting together and they're talking about this experience in a way that is that, that that's appropriate, that's respectful. Um, that uh, with obviously, you know, we all we've all seen Band of Brothers, um, yeah. but I think that probably helped a lot of people start talking about that and seeing. Wow, hey, look at this guy talking about it here on Band of Brothers. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this along to to my grandchild, or I'm gonna talk about it for the first time with my son or my daughter, or that sort of thing. So I think that really. Know, kind of help spur some of that uh, it definitely uh, started the conversation yeah yeah it definitely started bit. the conversation for sure you know especially like saving private ryan like hey grandpa was it like this right you know and he starts the conversation because now you can actually visually visualize it and see it 
And then it starts coming back and then the conversation starts and people start talking about it more and more people start learning about it. And I mean, just, I think that movie alone just kind of, you know, um, just kind of just gave so much motivation uh, for this next generation to look back and to see what our grandfathers went through, which is so important. I mean, it's, yeah. And um, it's been great, you know, especially some of our old warriors. I mean, they never really talked about it to give them this opportunity in their twilight years to come back and to have that bond and that camaraderie and that brotherhood to go back on different terms and, and see the love and adulation that they so truly deserve. When they go back to France or to Holland, um, there's, I mean, everybody comes out for them and it's just so special, you know, oh, which man. is so important for them in their lifetime. And it's been difficult, Jack. Um, you know, we've been losing a lot of our old warriors. Uh, we just lost another one. Um, this gentleman here, Roy Warake, uh, fifth ranger battalion guy. Um, you know, um, it's a tough thing about what we do right now. We want to make sure that we salute and honor our all of our warriors, starting from the oldest to the youngest, and especially with our old ones. It's kind of sad that, you know, we're losing them on a daily basis now. But I, I'm just really happy that, you know, in their twilight years, we gave them opportunity to finally have that closure, to finally go back and, and see what all their hard work and sacrifice from all the brothers and sisters during that time and, you know, the freedom and the opportunity that, so many people around the world have today. It's just so special. No, I mean, it, what you're doing with Best Defense Foundation, it's what's it's so unique. It's uh, it's so important, um, and you do it in a way that is. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible. I can't wait to be a part of it and go with you on one of these and help yeah. you know wheel somebody around or do whatever I need to do to to help out. But did you always know you were going to do something like that after the NFL? Or let's go back a little bit to let's say junior high. Did you when did you know? Yeah. Hey. I am, I'm going to the NFL or I am focused on going to the NFL or, uh, you know, when, when did that kind of come about? Or when did you have that, that, uh, in your head, like, Hey, you know, if I work hard enough, I can get up yeah. there. I can be there. I can be on that field. Uh, when did you I'll start tell you, I'll be that? honest with you, Jack. I've never, I mean, in junior high, high school, I never even thought about going to the NFL. I never really thought about it. My goal, number one, uh, was to go to college. And I knew that, um, I was enjoying the Marine Corps. Uh, right here in Camp Pendleton. So I had a recruiter and everything. I was going to join the Marine Corps because I just really wanted, at that time in, um, in 90, 91, it was uh, right after um, um, Desert Storm around that time. And uh, I wanted to join. I want to get my GI Bill because I want to be the first one of my whole generation to, to get a college degree. And that was my ultimate goal. And that's why I had, you know, purpose in getting good grades at the time. And football was there in baseball and basketball. And I just figured like, you know, I'll just keep working hard on that. I mean, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the fastest at all, but there's one thing that I had was hard work and work ethic. I mean, I'll put the time in. I mean, I'm a skinny, lanky, you know, kid at a high school. I think it was 180 pounds. Um, so, I mean, I just kind of worked hard in the weight room and in the classroom and just kind of outworked everybody else. And, it, you know, it paid off and, you know, to um, have that choice um, to, either go into the Marine Corps or, or go to UCLA on a foot rise scholarship. You know, I definitely chose to do that. I mean, when I went to UCLA, I was, I was 180 pounds. <laughs> I was 6'3", 180 pounds playing linebacker in division one. Um, wow. So I redshirted that year. And, you know, my goal was still not to go to the NFL. I didn't think I was going to go to the NFL because I mean, everybody else around me was, you know, they're, <laughs> they're big and <laughs> much bigger and faster yeah. and stronger. And I'm like, wow. You know, so I figured I'll get my shot. You know, I just continued to work extremely hard um, on my diet in the weight room, in the classroom, on the field. 
And, um, <clears throat> but ultimately my goal, uh, was to, you know, get a degree and I ended up graduating early, uh, at UCLA and going on to graduate school. So it's pretty amazing how things just happen. Cause if you just put your head down and you work hard, go after it, um, it's amazing, uh, what you can accomplish. If you're not always popping your head up and say, Oh my God, look where I'm at right now. You know, <laughs> you're all, I'm, I'm always trying to push. I'm always trying to be a better version of myself, be the ultimate and, and give a hundred percent in everything that I do. And, um, I'll tell you, I mean, playing pro football, is just a byproduct of me pushing myself to, to go to college and have a college degree. I mean, and, um, it, you know, it worked out. I mean, after 14 years in the NFL, it gives me this tremendous platform to give back through the best defense foundation to all the men and women that served this great country that gave me an opportunity, you know, to play football, to change my life financially and those around me to get educated. I mean, only in America, this flag right here, only in America, but I know it's not free. I mean, I've been very fortunate to go to over 70 countries of the world and to see what life is outside of this country. And I got to tell you, I mean, it's not perfect, but by far, it's the best country in the world. And that's on the men and women that serve. And I know that for a fact. And that's why I want to make sure that, you know, I want to make sure we bring awareness to that. And I'm using, you know, my background in football, my platform to raise awareness to that and make sure that we um, recognize, celebrate, and honor all those who serve. Amen, brother. Oh, man. So when did you find, when, when you were in at UCLA um, and your head's down, and I, and I totally agree with you, if you're picking your head up, you're looking over here, you're doing this over here, you're worried about this, or you're thinking about the odds of making it to the NFL or becoming a SEAL or becoming a novelist or whatever it is. You know what? All that bandwidth wasn't put into your diet, into the weight room, into training, into watching tape, you know, all those things that you need to do because you wasted that bandwidth worried over here about how hard it is, how difficult it is. Or you looked up and looked around and that bandwidth wasn't focused on making you a better person, a better operator, a better football player, you know, whatever it, it might be. So there is definitely something to that, putting that head down, focus, keep all that bandwidth focused where it needs to be. Because even with it a little bit over here, like that's wasted. That's wasted bandwidth. Right. You need to take that. It needs to be focused right here. So I love how you how you do that. It's just such an amazing example of just perseverance, resilience, commitment. I, I it fires me up, man. God, yeah, I know it's a mindset. You guys know. I mean, it's a mindset for sure. It's a mindset, and uh, and you can call it a mindset. You can call it fear. You can call it whatever. And I tell guys in the huddle, you know, I'm like, look, I don't care what the hell motivates you. Just get motivated. You know, if it's money, fear, women, whatever. Like on the field, when you need to make it happen. Just get motivated and make it happen. It's just a mindset. And for me, I got to tell you, like um, a lot of my push was out of fear, a fear of going back to where I came from. You know, I mean, I didn't want to, um, you know, you know, live the way I grew up. And, you know, my push every time was if I don't succeed, if I'm not the first one, I'm not the best one, then I'm going to go back to that, you know, and I'm going to be a failure. And I just constantly push myself because I think the fear of, of failing, you know, and I just want to push myself um, so much. And I think it just really helped me, you know, helped me. Oh man, I love it. When, so when you're in UCLA, what, at what point well, while you're there, are you like, Hey, what, you know what? NFL, I'm going, or Hey, this is, <laughs> this is an option. This is a serious option for me. Um, if I do, you know, X, Y, and Z and keep, stay focused. Like when did you, when did that start to become part of your calculus? Well, honestly, I mean, I started my freshman year. So after I redshirted that year, I put 10 pounds on to about 190 and I was playing linebacker, <laughs> just skin and bones. Um, <laughs> but um, I played extremely well and I knew that I can play in this league. 
And what happens, like you talked about earlier, Jack, is like, you know, having those voices in your head, like start worrying about other things that kind of distract you. So I try to just push that out the way because I was the person that was preventing me to, you know, to push harder because I kept thinking like, oh my God, the guys in the NFL, they're so much bigger and stronger and faster and all this stuff. But, you know, hey, I'm playing the same game and I'm performing. So I think what happens when I started to have um, success on the field, it really built my confidence to know that, hey, I can, you know, I can play this level. And I realized that. So I blocked out all that negativity about saying like, you know, you're too small, you're too skinny, you know, you're not a linebacker, like all this stuff, like you make it to the league, it's all these bigger guys and, you know, and, and uh, you know, bigger and stronger. But, you know, once I started playing my freshman year, I started, you know, since my freshman year and then my sophomore year, I was uh, all, whatever, all conference in the pack a Pac-12. Um, and then my junior year, I was an All-American. And I just, what I realized, I started getting letters from all the different teams. And I, I think I might've saved some letters too, because I had awesome. a whole bunch of letters from teams. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Right. And, and I'm like, I, I, I <laughs> you know, I can do it. I can do it. So I just really focused on, um, on, uh, you know, working hard, studying and trying to be the, the best player I can possibly be. And, um, that's what I realized that I knew that I could make it, but you know, I came at a crossroads actually, because after my junior year, I was an all American and I was already done with school. I was already, already graduated my undergrad in political science. And, um, so I was done and I was going to come out, but, um, talked to my coaches and stuff. They say, you should stay in for your last year because you'll go higher in the draft. And cause right now at the time, like linebackers weren't 225 pounds. Like I played in the league for so many years and what teams want now. Um, back then there were like 255, 260 linebackers. And, you know, they said, you need to gain some more weight. You need to get to 240. And then maybe you go higher in the draft. I said, well, I already graduated. What do I do? They said, well, um, you can take some extra classes. And I said, well, heck, could I, you know, go to graduate school? And they said, if you can get in. So fast forward, I was one of the first uh, student athletes to, to play football and also be in graduate school at the time. That's so I ended so up staying awesome. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's crazy. So I ended up staying in, but here, but here's the part that I always go back in my head. So second game of the season, my my senior year, I'm like you know top three uh, linebackers uh, for that year coming out, and like all the accolades, all the you know all the magazines and stuff like that. Like I'm the you know like this is my year to shine to get higher in the draft. And second game of the season, um, on fourth fourth and short, I'm playing linebacker and a big fullback. Um, from, from Oregon, it was probably 265. I was probably 225 at the time. And he jumps up, you know, like the goal line play where he jumps up and a linebacker jumps up and tries to meet him at the top. Well, I stepped on someone's foot and I wasn't able to jump up and he was like right here. And I don't want him to get the touchdown or the first down. And I just like, you know, just pushed up with everything I had. And I hit him on the top of my crown on my head and my hands Long story short, I ended up breaking my back on that play. Oh. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I got this this shock all the way down my legs. And I just started to, like, freak out, um, thinking that I was paralyzed. And I remember laying on the ground, just started moving my fingers and my feet. Whoa. I'm like, okay, I'm not paralyzed. But I had this shock that lasted for a couple minutes. And then I came off the field and, you know, got an MRI and everything. And they said, you broke your back. I'm like, you know, like. So anyways, I had a compression fracture, T4, 5, and 6 in my thoracic, and I missed my whole entire senior year. 
missed my wow. whole entire senior year. And I started to reevaluate my decisions at the time. Like, why did I stay in? I should have just left. And I was all American, already graduated. And I started going back in my head. And it, it was a very difficult year because um, I wasn't part of the team. I wasn't part of the guys. And the crazy thing about it is like, you know, you get hurt. They just put you to the side and the, move the drill up. Like, they keep playing. And I'm like, yep. hey, what about the captain? No. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the game yeah. has to go on, and, you know, and, and the mission has to continue, yeah. you know, for sure. Um, but long story short, I ended up going in the fourth round. Um, I missed the whole year. I think I played like last game of the season against USC and then wow. um, ended up getting drafted um, by the Kansas City Chiefs in 1996 in the fourth round. And to be honest with you, I was so pissed that I went in the fourth round because I was, you know, I was slated to be a first round pick. But because I had a broken back, I was like 195 pounds at the time. I lost all the weight from not being able to lift or run. Um, I went in the fourth round and I just had a chip on my shoulder. Like, I'm going to show all you guys who passed me up, who didn't pick me, that I'm a player. And uh, I think it did all right. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so how did that? So what happened then? So you get drafted fourth round. Now you're now you're there. You're Kansas City, and then you just start working again, head down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the next. It's like the next level, right? There's always different levels. You keep going, right? I mean, you got to reestablish yourself. It's like you guys go to a different team. You got to reestablish yourself to make sure that you can be a team member, a teammate. And uh, you know, here I am. Um, you know, on another team. And I'm looking at all these guys that I grew up watching, you know, like wearing their jersey. Like all of a sudden I'm, I'm standing right next to Derek Thomas. I'm like, oh my, that's Derek Thomas, you know? And it's just crazy. You go through all these emotions, but then again, you know, it's that voice. You got to push out, like, don't let this distort your work and keep your mm -hmm. head down and working. You can do it. You are here. You're just like them, right? So it's like that constant mindset that you have in your head. Um, um, but I was pretty strong on. And um, um, yeah, so then uh, that that rookie year, because at the time, Marty Schottenheimer, our head coach, he didn't play. I mean, a lot of teams didn't play rookies. Doesn't matter if you're in the first round or second round. You didn't, but they didn't play rookies. And I got my first opportunity on Thanksgiving Day against the Detroit Lions um, to start um, before the game. Uh, Gunther Cunningham, our defensive coordinator, says, you ready? They call me Surfer Boy because <laughs> that was Derek <laughs> Thomas' name for me. Surfer Boy, you're you're starting today, and uh, they ran the run and shoot, and they said you're you have to uh, <laughs> you have to cover Barry Sanders. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like, I'm like Barry Sanders. I'm 22, <laughs> 23 years old, and I'm like, I have a Barry Sanders jersey at my house. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I don't know to tackle him or ask him for an autograph. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but it's so crazy. Like once I pushed out those voices and said, "Hey, I'm here. I can play at this level." I had an, I had a great game. I was the uh, defensive player of the game on Thanksgiving Day um, in 1996. I had 11 tackles, I believe, an interception, and a sack. Dude. So not bad for a first first start, you know, for a rookie. Not bad and with the, like, coming off a broken back and fourth yeah, round and yeah. not, not playing a season. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, There's so, so many realized, similarities actually between that and just anything else in life, I think. And like for in the SEAL teams, like I showed up at Buds and I looked around. There's people of all shapes and sizes when at Buds, but uh, but I remember looking at the big guys 
And I was like, oh man, look at those guys. I didn't really look at the small guys. I'm like, look at the big guys. I'm like, man. And then I watched them climb the rope, you know, with like no, not even using their feet, a couple guys like to kind of show off or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And watching them just speed through the obstacle course and then how motivated they were at a run. I'm like, oh man, like that guy, uh, look at how big that guy is. And then, but just like you, when we were in the surf zone, first couple hours of hell week, that big guy I'd been watching he got up and went to ring that bell and a ton of other people got up and yeah. went to ring it with him. And I was like, yes, awesome. That's the program working. It's all here. I'm like, I can right. do this. You it's know? all here. Yep. I love that. That's so amazing. And then also with you showing up there and you're like, Barry Sanders, no way. Like same thing, very similar to me in that uh, after I got out transition and now I'm at an author's conference or whatever it is. And I'm like, David Morrell. He created yeah. the character Rambo back in 1972. <laughs> I've been reading his stuff for years, you know, since the early 80s. And now now we email each other once a week, multiple times a week sometimes. Stephen Pressfield, been reading his stuff yeah. forever. Like all these guys, Stephen Hunter. Like I grew up reading these guys and I'm like next to them. And it's crazy. It's it's so amazing. It's so humbling. But uh, a lot of similarities between that and, uh, and life in general. Because, you know, those guys, they've had their head down and they've been working. You know, project yeah. to project, research, writing, perfecting their craft, getting better, moving forward, moving that ball forward in their lives, you know, personally and professionally. So uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of similarities there across the board. But uh, man, that is so awesome. And then how, how long did you yeah. stay at, at Kansas City before you got the opportunity to go back to San Diego? And did you take that so you could go home or did you have other options out there as well and decide I'm going to San Diego? No, actually, I spent uh, six years, my first six years in Kansas City, and we had a coaching change. We had two coaching changes, and um, um, Dick Vermeil came in, and he's an offensive-minded coach, and he wanted to take the money from the defense and put on the offense. So I was one of the highest-paid defenders on the team, and they decided to let me go. So, uh, not to, uh, to, to, uh, to fulfill my contract. So I was a free agent. So in 2002, Marty Schottenheimer went to San Diego and he knows he drafted me. He knows my type of character, my character and what I bring to the table. And he, he uh, brought me to San Diego and it was a dream come true. Cause how many kids, you know, grow up, um, playing for the team that they grew up watching, yeah. you know, all of a sudden I'm back here in San Diego where it all started, where I just watched the San Diego Chargers when the Eric Coriel days with Dan Fouts and Chuck Muncie and all these guys. And all of a sudden, like I'm on that field, you know, it was a dream come true. It truly was. Oh, how surreal. Oh my gosh. And then during that time, when do you start doing things like, um, I don't know, was it, was, was USO or did you start having interaction with the troops or did you start thinking about, uh, that sort of the side of the house, the philanthropy side of the house? And then how did that develop into best defense foundation after you transitioned from, from the NFL? How did that, that process work? Yeah, well, it started during the NFL and even in college. I mean, you know, and my grandfather was always at the VFW. So I'm always around there. I'm always around, you know, my brothers and sisters are always around. So I'm always around it for sure. And then when I got to the league, um, you know, especially in Kansas City and, you know, in Kansas City, you have uh, Whiteman Air Force Base there. So I made a number of, you know, trips down there and, you know, always connecting with our troops coming to the games and we have military appreciation and stuff like that. And, you know, we go and we talk, we sign autographs and that kind of stuff. And, you know, got many opportunities to go on aircraft carriers, submarines, fly up to Blue Angels. I mean, be in tanks and shoot weapons and, I mean, go on the old course. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of stuff interacting with guys because, you know, we're all, I mean, like we talked about, we're all kind of cut from the same cloth, you know, and like the same mentality and stuff like that. And it's just mutual respect for sure. Um, 
And then uh, I started doing USO tours early in my career. Um, been all over Afghanistan, Djibouti, Okinawa, Guantanamo, just kind of all over Turkey and everything like that, just to, you know, make sure that we, um, you know, pay our respects and make sure that, you know, you're abroad, but we're still here thinking about you. Matter of fact, uh, when I was in Turkey, um, no, I'm sorry, when we were in uh, Dubai, UAE, my brother, who was in the Navy, his ship came in port and we're signing autographs at the PX and he saw our posters in there. And he was telling us, oh, that's my brother. That's my brother. Like, man, that ain't your brother. <laughs> and lo and behold, yeah, it's so cool. He comes in. It's like, oh, man, it's your brother. No I mean, way. I didn't know that he was coming in for, I didn't know that he was there, but this is what it's all about. Like, this is my family, right? So this is why I support because like, I get it, you know? I didn't know that my brother was going to be there. Here we are halfway around the world, you know, giving back and showing our support and respect for our troops. And, you know, here's a family member right here. Just, I mean, just full circle, you know? That's amazing. Um, yeah. It's just been wonderful. I mean, all the, you know, all the great things that I've, you know, been able to do, um, you know, with, you know, with the troops all over, it just means so much to me because we're all, we're all the same, you know, although I played football, you know, my heart, you know, bleeds red, white, and blue. And, you know, I didn't serve actively, but I choose to serve in this capacity, you know, to give back. And, and it means a lot to me. I mean, I really get a lot out of it. And, um, you know, thank God for the game of football. Thank God for being born in this country to have the opportunity, man. Because like, you know, I mean, we all search for what we want to do when we get done, right? I mean, some of us, you know, have a pathway. Some of us don't. I mean, what is a NFL player <laughs> running a military nonprofit? You know, like how does that connect? You know, oh, it's fantastic. Connect. I mean, there's so many connections there <laughs> and the story is so, so incredible. I mean, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Um, so that transition then, so I know in the military, I saw people transition, have a hard time with that transition um, as I was getting near the end and picking my head up and, and uh, figuring out that next chapter in life, which was writing for me. I had that passion since I was a little kid and I combined that mission of taking care of my family with my passion for writing. And then I went straight ahead, just dove in. Um, and uh, I saw a lot of people that had a hard time finding that next passion, finding that next mission as they went from one stage of life to the next. And, uh, for me, I recognize, Hey, it's important to build off this foundation and it doesn't have to be special operations. It doesn't have to be the NFL. It can be anything in life. You're going to have transitions and you're going to have death of a loved one. You're going to have a divorce. You're going to have, um, a job transition, whether it's, uh, you're fired or you decide to take a risk and do something new. Um, you're going to have to maybe move cities, whatever it is. Like there's going to be transitions in life regardless, and you're going to get hit. You're going to get knocked down. That's just a part of the whole, the whole deal. Um, so what I saw was that guys had a hard time in the military, um, moving on and, what they did, what I noticed was oftentimes they tried to recreate what they had in the military on the outside. They tried to recreate those feelings, not necessarily like, Hey, I'm going to be part of a, a team that's going into the, you know, the heart of Baghdad or Ramadi in the middle of the night to grab some high value target out of his bed in the middle of the night, drag him back for interrogation. And then go hit another target. Not like that, but the feelings associated with that, uh, another team. And, and I recognize that, Hey, no matter what this transition is in life, like it's moving forward and you have to be moving that ball forward. It's going to be different as you turn the page. It's not going to be the exact same thing that you just experienced here. Um, so acknowledging that, uh, I thought was, was powerful and is powerful for people making any transition. So, um, so for you, and as I was getting near the end there, I, I 
got to meet a few people in professional sports. Now that I'm here in Park City, I see a lot of Olympic athletes that also at some point have to make that transition. Um, so how was that for you when you uh, decided, when did you know it was time to leave the NFL? And then as you transitioned, when did you realize that you were going to find this next passion? You already had this passion inside you, but when did you, when could you articulate yeah. it and focus on it and say, okay, here it is. Here's my next mission in life. My mission and my passion are now coincided. I'm going to do this best defense foundation and I'm moving this ball forward. And, uh, when, how did that work? Yeah. Well, um, my last few years, I got hurt my, my 13th year. I, uh, I tore my quad and it was a tough year in Kansas city, uh, 08 or 09. It was, um, told my call. I think we went four and 12 that year and we had a big coaching change and things like that. And, um, so I was on the injured list and after sitting out a year on the injured list with a torn quad, um, there was no way, uh, mentally to go back after, you know, 14 years and being able to play 30 years of football. That's a good run. Linebacker. Yeah. That's, linebacker. A, that's a good run. <laughs> yeah. It's not quarterback. That's no joke. It's, it's not kicker. It, you know, <laughs> it's not Adam Vinatieri. For You're sure. actually I working. Mean, it's a, it's a, well, he's working too, but it's, uh, it's a different position. It's yeah, a linebacker, yeah. man. We initiate contact nice. and to, I mean, having this conversation with my wife and say, look, I'm, I'm relatively healthy right now. You know, um, if I go back there, you know, there's, yeah. there's risk involved, you know, and it's like, do I, you know, anyway, so I decided after sitting out and I tell you, I was going to go to the Raiders. Um, I was going to go to Raiders, uh, for my 15th year and, um, we were working on a contract and, and, uh, yeah, I just had to make a U-turn and, and, and not go through with it. I just realized like, no, cause once you get it out of your head, like you said, like everything is a mindset, right? So mm -hmm. once you get out of your head and you said like, I'm done, I'm done. And there's no way you can go back into the, you know, the battle, you know, to the mm -hmm. field and, uh, and, and, and play half-ass. You have to give everything to it. And, and I decided it's time and it was a good run. I'm relatively healthy and on to the next thing in my life. And honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was playing. Um, I was doing uh, TV. I was doing NFL network. I had a TV show with Tony Gonzalez called the locker room show in Kansas city. And I was uh, doing, um, 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 the NFL network, uh, uh total access show, mm. um, on the side, I was a sideline reporter for the playoffs. Cause every year we never made a playoffs, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to go down that path, but honestly, when I got done, Jack, I just decided, you know, I want to just be done, you know, 30 years of football. I never had a summer. I mean, every August I was putting a football helmet on and running full speed into someone bigger than me. You know, for, for 30 straight years, since I was seven years old and never really had a summer, never had a winter, never went to the mountains. I mean, like all this stuff, never went skiing, never did all this stuff. So for me, you know, it was time for me just to, you know, to get away. My first year, I didn't watch anything. I just traveled. My wife and I just traveled and didn't watch. I mean, I think I watched maybe one game, one or two games that year, um, just to pull back. I just wanted a fresh start and started to, you know, to think about what my next step was. And I really wasn't into doing TV. I didn't want to be an analyst in football. I just said, there's more, there's more to life that I want to do. I mean, I've been so pigeonholed for football. I want to like spread my wings and check out other things and other hobbies, and, you know, and just dabble into other things. And at the time, I mean, since 2006, I've been taking World War II veterans back to the battlefields. Oh, you've been doing own. that before on your own? Okay. Yeah, way before when I was playing football, I used to have all these guys come to the games and have them honored at halftime. Um, 
all the time, you know, Medal of Honor recipients and, uh, you know, just uh, enlisted guys and just, you know, a lot of guys. I want to make sure that we highlight them and recognize them. And um, just a chance conversation. Um, I was doing living history and uh, we're bringing a bunch of World War II veterans, to, you know, this one, they're in their 80s to our events. And um, a lot of them talked about going back to the battlefield. I'm like, you want to go back? And they're like, absolutely. I'm like, why don't you go back? They said, I'm too old. I don't have any money. I can't afford it. I don't know what to do. And I said, I'll take you. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you know, as long as this doesn't, you know, not during the football season, I'll take you. And the other veteran's like, hey, I want to go too. And I'm like, you guys want to go? They're like, absolutely, I want to go back. And the third guy was like, hey, you're taking those two guys. I want to go too. So <laughs> long story short, back in 2005 or 2006, uh, with some of my guys in my unit, we took um, – we took uh, four or five um, World War II veterans back to the battlefield. We went to to Normandy, went to France, went to Holland, and they did a big, big ceremony, big parade. And I didn't, I mean, this is a big eye opener for me. So, and I saw the impact that it had for these guys, these veterans, and what it meant to them. And I said, more of these guys need to see this and, and get this recognition, this respect, and just to have the love and just have, I mean, it's just incredible. It's very different when you're occupied. And you have people coming from a whole different country that don't speak the language and come and liberate you, you know. And when those liberators come back to the country that they liberated, the, the civilians there, they come out in the droves. I mean, it is amazing to see. And every year since then, we brought veterans back. And I was helping out. So after I retired, I was, <clears throat> I was helping out some other um, groups to bring veterans back. So I was always doing it. And I mean, some years I was spending six months overseas doing all these programs because these veterans they all wanted to go back i want to make sure that that you know in their lifetime they can have this opportunity so um and then um my wife is the one says hey you're doing all this stuff for everybody else why don't you consolidate a team and do it for yourself so we repurpose best defense foundation because we had i mean it's been the best defense foundation since 2000 Mm. Um, so, we've, so, but we repurposed it to inner city kids to more just focus on our military, uh, veterans and their families. And we repurposed it and had a new, you know, and, and built a team, have our mission and, uh, surrounded with, with, with good quality people, all volunteers, we're all volunteers at the foundation right now. And, um, you know, just started pressing forward. And in 2019, we did six programs, taking veterans back to their battlefields from the top of you. Uh, the top of Mount Suribachi in Iwo Jima to Saipan, Tinian, Guam, Normandy, Holland, um, Germany, Belgium, and Pearl Harbor. I mean, you know, just, it was wonderful. And I'm really happy that we got an opportunity to take back some of the veterans back for the first time. Guys like Russell Pickett, who is uh, recognized and honored in front of the world at the 75th um, commemoration of D-Day at the cemetery by President Donald Trump at the time. Um, it was so special for him and to go back to where he got blown up on the beach in Omaha beach. Uh, he was one of the first wave Omaha beach guys and he got blown up to go back there and to give him an opportunity to have that closure was so important. And unfortunately, uh, Russell Pickett passed away six months after that program to, uh, to Normandy and his family was just saying like, thank you so much because it meant the world to him to finally have that, to close that, that that book and uh you know i get goosebumps right now yeah, thinking man. about it because i mean i can't wait for you to come on program with us because you'll see the impact that it has and what it means to these old warriors i mean a lot of i mean i mean even myself when you know or yourself like guys who 
who joined the service of the military today always look back to the past, right? And see what our, our mm-hmm. you know, what the older generation did. And that inspires all of us in the next generation to press forward. You think about what they did and what they went through. Um, it really motivates and pushes you. Like I said, it's that mindset. If they did it, I mean, <laughs> if they did it, you, you think like, golly, they, you know, it pushes you and it motivates you. And I always think about that. So I always relate a lot of it to the military to push me as I could, you know, as I go through my life. Oh man, it's so incredible. I can't wait to, to help out. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and so COVID really messed things up this last year. So you had programs set up in, in 2020, all of them were canceled. Unfortunately, uh, some of the guys that were scheduled to go, uh, uh, are no longer, no longer with us. So their last year, that year would have been their last time to, to do it. And they, they didn't make it through the last year. Um, so how is 2021 looking and, uh, and 2022, hopefully, but, uh, how's the rest of the year looking as far as, uh, programs and getting these guys where they, where, where they need to go? Yeah. Well, going back to 2020, I mean, we had to just pivot, you know, in football, I told my team, I said, Hey, check, check Omaha. We got to make a, you know, we got to make an audible. Right. So we still wanted to engage our veterans. I mean, cause a lot of them, um, you know, we give them purpose. We give them hope to keep it going, to stay healthy. You know, we tell them, Hey, you're coming out on program with us in September, you know, make sure you're staying healthy, make sure you're walking, you're eating and all that kind of stuff. And it's been really hard for a lot of guys that are in, you know, senior centers and they can't leave the house and they feel like they're in prison. And mentally, it's draining. It was very difficult. So we came up with an idea to do these, uh, these, these, these live Zoom calls with the veterans where people from around the world, kids from around the world, everybody from around the world could ask a veteran, a World War II veteran, a question. And it was really great because it really, um, you know, um, pushed these veterans to get out there and share their story and talk and communicate. I mean, although it was done digitally, you know, uh, you know, via, you know, a technology, it was so good for them. I and mean, we realized like after their first one, how important it was to make sure we have that interaction, that connection. Um, and I, I think so far <laughs> we've done like 30 of them so far, wow. and it's been really wonderful to engage them and just to get them, you know, going and, and, and looking for the future. Um, but, you know, we'll continue to do that as well. And then in 2021, we have some programs planned already, you know, this December is going to be the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. So we're, we're really working diligently on that. Um, we're trying to get every able-bodied wanting um, World War II veteran that wants to attend that commemoration an opportunity, you know, because after 80 years, I mean, if you're 18 years old at the time, you can imagine how old you are right now for the 80s. So this is what sparked everything, right? So everyone, you know, they put their right hand up and, and decided to serve this country because of the events that happened on December 7th, 1941. So this is the event that changed the whole course of history in our country. And I want to make sure that we provide this opportunity for all the veterans. And um, hopefully, you know, we could, uh, you know, really make this one for the ages and, you know, one to remember forever. Um, but we have some other programs lined up. Um um, not yet that's in stone because of COVID right now. So depending if things get lifted, you know how that goes. Yep. So, you know, we're just kind of like in a holding pattern right now, but the sad thing about it, Jack, is there's a lot of veterans that are really looking forward to wanting to, you know, to finally close that book and, and, and be with their brothers one last time. There's one thing that we do with our programs is like, you know, we don't bring family, we don't bring, you know, wives or, or, or daughters and things like that. We bring the guys, you know, we have a great team that takes care of them. We have a full-time, 
you know, uh, medic, doctor, everybody. We have all the resources. We've been together for a long time. And it's about the bond. It's about that camaraderie. It's about, you know, bringing the boys back together, you know. And it's just really special because, you, you know, you put them in a group and all of a sudden they start talking. And some of them, um, you know, some of the conversations that I've been in are really special because um, sometimes they talk about things um, that they never talk to anyone. And uh, I'm just thinking about one situation right now where one of the veterans, like, never even told his wife. And he says, I feel comfortable right here in the midst of all my brothers and sisters right now because you guys speak my language. And you guys understand. And he was just saying, like, when he killed his first German and he grew up in the church and he's like, you know, I was I, I, I understand the commandments. Thou shalt not kill. And I'm 18 years old. And, you know, all of a sudden and I'm looking at it and he's telling the story and how he's been carrying this burden on his back for 92 years. And he finally, you know, I mean, I mean, I've just, I got so emotional because all the guys, I mean, I was just a bird just watching. I just kind of created the environment and all of them are just hugging and like, oh man, it was just like, I, you know, <laughs> I went to, um, you know, my partner next to me, I'm just like, that's exactly why we do what we do, you know, to create this environment, to finally like shed that piano off his back, to finally like put it to rest, you know, because, you know, he needed to hear from his brothers and sisters like, hey, you had to do what you have to do. It was either you or him, you know what I mean? So they helped him out. I mean, it was just, those are the powerful yeah. moments that, um, you know, that, that make it so worth it, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's really special. You know, I was thinking about, um, you know, how I got to this, you asked me the question, you know, how I got to start, you know, this nonprofit for the military, you know, things just kind of morphed into it. So I was really passionate about giving back to our guys in the military and show my respect and go visit the, you know, the troops and doing all like, like all this stuff. And, and I remember, cause I turned down a job, um, a TV job and I'm at the cheesecake factory in Marina del Rey or Redondo beach. And I'm with, uh, uh, a paratrooper. Uh, he was a medic in the battle of the bulge. Uh, he carried a <laughs> medics at the time, weren't able to carry weapons. You know, they only carried little pistols, you know, uh, 1911, but he carried a M1A1 Thompson submachine gun. And because they were shooting at him, he's like, well, God darn it, I'm going <laughs> to shoot back at him. You know? And he's, uh, yeah. So anyway, so we were talking and he told me, he's like, Hey, you know, um, you know, don't be like me. Make sure you spend time with your family, your friends and people that you love, you know, don't always keep chasing the next thing, which, what you think that you should do. Hmm. Um, if you follow your passion, you'll find your destination. And I didn't really understand that. And then all of a sudden it just hit me. Like my passion is giving back to the military. And all of a sudden I realized, Hey, you know, we can really make an impact. You know, the platform that, you know, we have, we created, create a good team. We can really make an impact. And thus that's how best defense foundation came about. I mean, um, following my passion, I found my destination that helped me, that helps me with my transition as well. It gives me purpose in my life. You know, and it's been wonderful connecting with so many guys, you know, guys like yourself and so many guys in the community. It's just wonderful to have an ally and someone that supports them, you know, in their corner. Oh, man, it's so powerful. So amazing. And, and who are some of the, the the companies or people who have jumped on board uh, to help with this mission? I know Oakley has been a big, big supporter. Who else has uh, been out there uh, making this happen with you over the last Yeah, well, Six Hour is our, uh, one of our big sponsors, also sponsor of, uh, of Jack Carr for sure. Um, they've been wonderful. Absolutely a great, um, a great partner for sure. Um, we have Go Rock. We've done some stuff with uh, Black Rifle Coffee, um, Born Primitive. Um, 
it's a it's a seal um, veteran owned uh, company as well um allegiance flags um Chula Vista Brewing Company. We have a beer. I saw um, that today. I saw today. that. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, yeah. man, I live in Utah. They can't just ship it here. You have to like go through all the jump through all these hoops to to, to get it in here. But uh, maybe I'm going to California next week. Maybe I could smuggle some back in. Don't tell yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. It's a great pilsner. <laughs> it's a great pilsner, and it's uh, it's amazing. It's great. I mean, it's just you know, like I said, it's all about giving back to the community. You know, it's all about giving back to the community. And this is for us. This is for the community, and this is for all the men and women that wore that uniform and. And coming up on Memorial Day, this is for all the, you know, all the men and women that made the ultimate sacrifice for the lives that we live and the freedoms that we all enjoy today. I mean, you know, we're tipping a glass. Every time I, you know, enjoy a beverage, I'm always tapping, but I'm always tapping, you know, the table and remember for them because as I have a drink, you know, in good times, I'm having a good drink. I'm having a drink for them as well. So that's why we do it. And it's just important. I'm just really happy that, you know, we got this beer out and uh, we're going to celebrate in the community and I'm gonna get it out there to everyone. Amazing. I think I'm going to have to drive down from LA to uh, Tijula Vista to pick some of that up uh, when I'm in Come on down. California you have a next place week. Here. So, you know that. <laughs> oh, thanks, brother. Awesome. And, uh, and how can people help out the foundation? How can they um, uh, find you online? Best Defense Foundation. Is it .org? Yeah. Bestdefensefoundation.org. Uh, and where else can they, yeah, can they find you sure. online and, uh, and help out? Yeah, we're all on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and also our, our, our website is, uh, bdf.org or bestdefensefoundation.org. Um, there's a number of, and on YouTube, we have a, um, a pretty, uh, extensive library of, uh, of videos, um, over the course of the years of the veterans, I mean, so many, you know, so many veterans, so many stories. I mean, just want to make sure that we capture, you know, these stories, you know, from the lips. I mean, we we read history, we watch it, but to actually hear it from the guys that created the history, that's what's important. And, you know, and uh, we have an extensive uh, video collection. So go on to YouTube and just, uh, you know, put in Best Defense Foundation. And you'll see a lot of great videos that we've done over the years. But, you know, honestly, you know, we're all about our mission. It's taking care of the ones who took care of us. We help families. You know, we want to make sure we get back. Our three pillars are battle for return programs. We have Vietnam coming up and um, as well. Um, and also um, our educational pillar, uh, our education is to make sure the next generation understands, you know, family, country and um and, and service. And also our, uh, our third is our transition program. So um, I work for the NFL for the transition program for the last seven years and talking to a lot of my buddies. I live down here in San Diego, especially our SEAL community. Um, there's not a lot of programs like we have in the NFL and the resources available. So I want to make sure that we tap into those resources and help our guys. And we're connecting them with NFL players. Matter of fact, we have a uh, transition program coming up in Utah. Uh, next month in June, I'm pretty excited about. We have a connection of uh, Navy SEALs and uh, Green Berets and also some NFL players. You know, we're helping each other out, trying to, um, you know, lift each other up, push each other and have that bond and brotherhood to make sure that we're all successful moving forward in life. Oh, man. Well, I can't wait to uh, to help out. And uh, yeah, capturing those stories is is so special and so important. Um, as you know, my grandfather didn't make it back from World War II and his son, my father, uh, always wished he had like just a letter from somebody in that squadron that uh, that he could read and find out sure. what his dad was like back then, 1944, uh, 1945. Like what, what was he, what was he like? Um, and because once again, back then, 
nobody else really talked about it. Everybody moved on. Like everybody, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially once you move into the fifties and sixties, everybody's working so hard, driving forward. They're not talking about the war. Um, so he didn't really have a chance to get to know his dad at all through anyone else. Um, so right. capturing these stories like you're doing, uh, gives those kids, those grandkids and future generations, that touch point, that connection, um, that they would never have otherwise. So it's, it's so important. And, uh, and I sincerely appreciate everything that you're doing and I sincerely appreciate your, uh, your friendship. It's an honor to, to know you and call you a friend. And I'm looking forward to getting out there, uh, on some of these past battlefields with those guys that sacrificed it all so that we could be free. So, um, let's make that happen. Amen. Thank you so much. Awesome, Thank you for what brother. you do as well, man. Um, your books have been really inspiring, especially a uh, true believer, you know, and talking about transition. I mean, read that book. It's, oh, uh, you know, it, it's special. So, Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, man. Well, let's get together soon. And uh, thanks for doing this. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. I figured I'd talk about some of the different companies who have sponsored Best Defense Foundation and their mission to take care of those who took care of us and take veterans back to the battlefields on which they fought oftentimes, most often actually, for the last time to get some closure on the things that they did uh, in uh, downrange. So uh, incredible foundation, best defense foundation for sure. Check them out on the social channels and their website, bestdefensefoundation.org. So uh, in addition to Born Primitive, which is a veteran-owned company, Go Ruck, another veteran-owned company, and Chula Vista Brewery, which now has a uh, an awesome beer uh, that uh, helps Best Defense Foundation, um, veteran-owned company as well. Uh, and I'm, by the way, next time I'm in Southern California, I might just load up the car with a couple of cases of that. I think it's a Pilsner and, uh, maybe don't tell anybody, bring it back to Utah, but shh, don't tell anybody. Um, so in addition to those companies, um, these companies here help Donnie Edwards and his mission with the best defense foundation. So, uh, right here, Pelican, of course, those of us in the military, uh, hunters, um, law enforcement, uh, tactical shooters, We've been using Pelican cases for a long time. This is the 1170 right here. Really good size for a full-size pistol, especially if you're traveling and you can lock it up right here, put it in another bag that's also locked for, for airlines. So um, so I have a few of these right here. So Pelican, thank you for helping out. Best Defense Foundation, same thing. Oakley, an Oakley standard issue, which is a division of Oakley that focuses on uh, the military and veterans. Uh, they have been supporters of Best Defense Foundation for a long time. So thank you to Oakley for that. And here we go. Oh, Black Raffle Coffee Company. Um, they have been supporters of Best Founda- Best Defense Foundation. This is their uh, exclusive coffee club subscription. So every month you get a different coffee and uh, it has a different design on it. Like, look at that. Oh, sweet van. And that's exactly what this is. Sweet van right there. So better known and operated Black Raffle Coffee Company. They've been doing a ton for veterans from their inception up through today. So check them out. And then Allegiance Flag Supply. So Right here, the one and only thing they do is make the flag here in the United States of America. So check them out for sure if you are in the market for a flag. Uh, And uh, thank you guys for all you do for Best Defense Foundation. And then SIG. So this, if you've been following me for a while, you know, is the 226. And this is something 
that uh, went downrange with me on every deployment. This is the 50th anniversary edition right here. Um, and thank you to SIG for all you do for me, for my family, for the country, for veterans, and for Best Defense Foundation. So um, check these companies out for sure and uh, help support Donnie and his mission with Best Defense Foundation to take care of those who took care of us. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Six Hour. You can find more about Donnie Edwards at Donnie, D-O-N-N-I-E underscore Edwards on Instagram and then Best Defense Foundation on Instagram and bestdefensefoundation.org. So check them out for sure. Check out their partners and uh, contribute if you can. It's an amazing mission and a very important one. So thank you so much for joining me today and I'll see you next time on Danger Close. In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What box do you fit in? Which box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy or how? Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm -hmm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts. 